0: Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good morning church family. It's good to be with you guys. Uh, even though I'm not able to be there in person this morning, it's good to still be with you guys. We thank the Lord for this technology and being able to um, still commune together and be together this morning. I'm actually um, going to be with our COLG Mount Sterling family this morning ministering there in Mount Sterling. Pastor Patrick is ministering elsewhere and so he's he's asked me to be with them this morning so I'm there with Pastor John and believing the Lord for a mighty outpouring there this morning and trusting the Lord that there's going to be a mighty outpouring in Winchester also but I'm um, I'm excited to get started on this series here in Sunday school in Winchester this morning and again just grateful that that we can be together thankful for all that Jesus has been doing Man, the last couple of weeks have been just absolute fire. The Lord has just just been moving so powerfully, and more than the last couple of weeks, I should say, the last month or so, the Lord has just been moving with such power and um, and just been stirring me personally. I feel corporately that He's stirring us and and just moving us towards something so new and and so different and there have been words to confirm that and my heart is so expectant and so excited for what he has done and for what he is going to do and I'm just excited excited about what he's doing I'm a little nervous he makes me nervous but it's a good kind of nervous I I relate it to like a like a wedding day Kind of nervous. It's it's not a nervous like bad nervous. It's a good nervous. Like, you know, I can't wrap my hands around it and control it. I'm a I'm a controlling kind of person. That's my nature. That's who I am um, naturally. I like to control things, and so um, when I when I can't control all facets of something, I I start to get a little nervous. And and he makes me nervous, but that's okay. Because it's a good kind of nervous and I know that he is doing something so powerful and so awesome in the house and I'm so excited about that. I'm so excited about what he's doing in and through the house and what he's going to release through the house, what he's going to release out of the house. I'm just excited about all that's coming down the pipe. This morning we're going to start a series, excuse me, I'm a little dry today, but this morning we're going to start a series on... um, On a subject that I think is um, maybe confusing to some people. Um, Confusing certainly to some new believers. And maybe confusing to some believers who have been in the house. Or been in uh, Christianity or been in Christ for years. And it's a series on the secret place. The secret place. We're going to talk about over the next... We actually get five weeks this month, which is kind of awesome. Uh, usually, you get four weeks, four Sundays in a month to uh, talk about a subject. But this this month, we get five weeks, which is awesome because the secret place is a huge subject. It's immensely complex, and at the same time, it's super simple. It's like a it's like a paradox that it's, it's really got all these different facets, and at the same time, it really only has one facet. So we're going to dive into the secret place over the next five weeks, and we're going to talk about what is the secret place. When people talk about the secret place, what do they mean? You've probably heard someone mention the secret place, either in this house or on youtube or facebook or whatever other channel you use to watch videos that's all i got i don't know any other i don't know any other avenues but i'm sure there are others out there what is the secret place and what's the purpose of the secret place what is the intent of the secret place what happens in the secret place what comes from the secret place what comes out of the secret place What do I do with what I get in the secret place? What do I get in the secret place? So all of those things are valid questions. And how many of you know, I wish I could see hands, I obviously can, but how many of you know that God is not upset at questions? God never gets upset at questions. We don't don't question God. We don't question God in terms of um, God, why did you or why are you? But God never gets upset when we take questions to Him. He loves to explain things to His children. I liken it to me explaining things to Sawyer, who's my son, obviously. I love explaining things to Sawyer because I love when I get to reveal things to Sawyer and watch him click in his mind. He loves to explain things to his children. So when we take questions to the Father, He loves to explain them to us. And I believe he wants to, to reveal some things to us about the secret place. In scripture, the word reveal or revelation, it's not giving new information. Revealing and revelation in scripture is actually an unveiling of information that's actually already present. A word picture, if you were, if you could, it it would be if I took this water bottle and I had it covered up with a blanket. To reveal it in scripture, it would be to take the blanket off of the water bottle. The water bottle was always there. The water bottle didn't appear. The water bottle didn't come into existence when I revealed it. I simply uncovered what was already there. So the Lord, I believe, wants to reveal some things to us about the secret place and it's it's really a a weapon for his children. It's it's really a a, a stronghold for his children. When uh, sometimes when we think of strongholds, we think all negative. Strongholds can be good things in the lives of people. Uh, if the Lord is our stronghold, then that's a good thing. It's really a stronghold for his children to be in the secret place to have a constant life in the secret place. So we're going to dive into that over the next few weeks and we're going to talk about the different aspects of the secret place. And, um, and I hope this hasn't been the case um, in my different classes in the sanctuary as of late, but I hope that this can be more of a discussion um, type class because I think there are a lot of questions when it comes to the secret place. So I hope that we can get to a place in this class where there can be some questions and some answers and some discussion and some back and forth, because I think there are some questions and I want us to be able to address some of those questions. So so that that's my intro, which was probably too lengthy. So I'm going to pray and let's get into today's um, first lesson and we'll start talking about kind of what is the secret place, the basis of the secret place, and and we'll go from there, okay? Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the opportunity to share as a family. We thank you, Lord, that you've built us as a body, and we thank you, Lord, that we are uniquely and fitly joined together, and we thank you, Father, that in the fitly joining together, that there is life that is supplied at every joint, Lord, that these members supply life to me and that you have seen fit to give me life to supply to them. And Father, I thank you that you have given us life to give to each other so that we can share with one another. I ask, Father, that you would bless this time together, that you would bless this word, that you would bless this teaching, that you would bless this understanding, Lord. I pray that the eyes of our understanding would be open. I pray that you would give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who you are, Lord, that we could go deeper in you, that we could go deeper in the understanding of you, Lord, that we might draw near to you, Lord, so that we could know you more and that those around us might know you more through us, Lord. We ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen so today we're going to start with really what is the I guess like the foundation of the secret place what is the secret place again the secret place is um it, it's it's a complex subject but it's it's also a very basic subject when we get down to it there are two um, places in scripture that the secret place um, is primarily mentioned there's one in the Old Testament and there's one in the New Testament the first place that we see the secret place mentioned is Psalm ninety-one verse one. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So this is this is uh, probably the most um, famous, the most popular verse in the whole Bible when we're talking about the secret place um, in terms of the Old Testament, especially maybe in terms of the whole Bible. um, The psalmist here writing about the secret place is obviously using prophetic, poetic language and not talking about a physical space. He's talking about a spiritual space. So the psalmist here is talking about a place that we can't physically enter, but he's talking about a place that we can spiritually enter. So what does that mean? That means that there's a place that we can go to that isn't a physical place, a place that we can go to that isn't, that isn't a natural place, but there is a place that we can go to in God where we can reach him and be with him and talk to him and commune with him that isn't physical. Fast forward into the New Testament, we get into Matthew 6, and Jesus starts talking about the secret place, but Jesus gives us a different description of the secret place. In Matthew 6, 6, Jesus says, "...but thou, when thou prayest, enter into that closet." Okay, enter into that closet. Well, that doesn't sound so poetic, and that doesn't seem like such prophetic, poetic language. That seems more physical. That seems more natural. Enter into that closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and that Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So, what, do, what, what can we glean from these two scriptures? I think what the Lord is trying to um, tell us here is that the secret place is both a natural and a spiritual place that can be accessed by believers. The secret place is not one or the other. The secret place is a place that is accessed both physically and spiritually by believers. Can you access the secret place in just the spirit realm? Probably, but is it a lot harder if you don't naturally go into the secret place physically? Yes, I think so. Jesus in Matthew 6 is in the middle of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. If you've ever started studied out the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and theologians actually tell us that Matthew 5, 6, and 7 didn't happen this early in Jesus's ministry. They believe that Matthew put the Sermon on the Mount at the beginning of his gospel because it is a culmination or a synopsis or a snapshot of all of Jesus's teachings. In other words, it was so vitally important. It was so critically important. It took such precedence in Jesus's teachings that Matthew decided to move it all the way to the front of his gospel. So 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 the so this teaching on the secret place that Jesus is giving and on prayer specifically, it is so vitally important that Matthew moves it all the way up to the front of his gospel instead of leaving it towards the end. Luke also has some of this in his gospel. But in Luke's gospel, it's towards the middle, towards the end, actually, of Jesus's ministry time. Matthew moves it all the way up to the front because it's that important. And Jesus says, when you go to pray— go in and shut the door when you pray and pray in secret. And when you pray in secret, you're praying to your father who is in secret. And I believe that when we go in in secret and shut the door and pray to our father in secret, that is the easiest and best way for us to enter into that spiritual secret place. Now, I do think that we can enter into that secret place at any time through the Holy Spirit. It is not by our works or our determination or our effort or our energy that we enter into the spiritual secret place. It is only through the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that through, from him and through him and to him are all things. That means that I can't get in my flesh to a spiritual place. In my flesh, I can't get to a spiritual place. It has to be through the yielding to the Holy Spirit. So, but it is easier when I go into a quiet place and I shut the door and I get quiet that I'm able to enter into that spiritual secret place. And Jesus says here that we should go into our closet and shut the door when we pray to our Father who is in secret. And he says that praying in secret causes us to be rewarded openly that praying in secret causes us to be rewarded openly. And in fact, he would go on in this teaching to say that those who pray openly have already received their reward, which is pretty scary. But those who pray secretly have not yet received their reward, that their reward comes openly. It's the secret prayers that are rewarded openly. But the open prayers have already received their reward, Jesus said. So it's, it's a both a physical and a supernatural thing that happens. And it's the two coming together that combine to do something that I really don't understand. But I don't have to understand it. It's just an act of obedience. Because if Jesus said, go into your closet and shut the door and pray, I got to be honest with you. That's enough for me. Sorry, I forgot to turn my email off. That's enough for me. If Jesus said, go into your closet, shut the door and pray, that's enough for me. And it's an act of obedience to go in and to get quiet before him. I believe it's Psalm 4610 that says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. How many of you know that it's hard to be still when you're walking around work? Now, the scripture says that we should continually pray. That we should offer up continual prayers to the Lord, and that we should continually be in prayer, that we should always offer up prayer. And I think that's awesome, but there's something about getting still before Him that allows us to enter into that secret place of communion, that secret place of interaction with Him. And that's really what the secret place is. The secret place is a place of private communion with the Father and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. It is a place where we can be one-on-one with the King of Glory. A place where we can be one-on-one with the only one who knows us intimately, who knows us privately, who knows us secretly. And in that secret place, he speaks to me. He speaks to me things that he only wants me to know, things that he only wants to talk to me about. And in that place, I can talk to him about things that I only want to talk to him about. I believe in the power of corporate prayer. I believe in the power of prayer in a marriage. I believe in the power of praying with your kids. But there are things that I pray to the Father in secret that I'll never pray to the Father with Lauren. There are things that I pray to the Father in secret that I'll never talk to him about with with Sawyer or with Graham when he gets here. There are things that Jesus and I talk about in the bedroom, in the early morning hours, before the house is awake. There are things that we talk about that I will never talk about corporately in the house, in the church, because it's just me and him. Because in the secret place We are alone and we can dream together, we can speak together, we can weep together, we can laugh together. The secret place is a place of security. Psalm 91 is a a psalm of security. If you read through Psalm 91, he talks about security. He talks about the Lord being a refuge and a fortress, the God in whom he can trust. He talks about being delivered from the snare of the fowler and the deadly pestilence. He talks about being covered with pinions and finding refuge. The secret place is a place of security. It's a place of protection. It's a place of, it's a place of feeling more secure than anywhere else in the world, regardless of what else is going on. It's a place of entering into intimate, deep communion with the only one we were created to enter into that kind of communion with. There are things I can talk to him about I can talk to no one else about in the entire world. And it's only in that place that I'm able to have those kind of conversations. And Jesus not only gave us this as a a commandment Jesus not only gave us this as a as a as a rule if you will uh, I shouldn't say a rule a commandment or as a as a as something that we should do but he gave us an example to follow all throughout the scripture Jesus would get up and go alone to be with the father he would get up and go alone to be with his father I'm just going to give you a few examples Matthew 14, 22 through 23 immediately he made the disciples get into the boat, and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, Jesus, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. What's interesting, Matthew 14, through 23 here, this is after Jesus has found out about John the Baptist being executed. After he has been told that John the Baptist has been murdered, he's in a place of vulnerability. He's in a place where he's hurt. He's in a place where his heart is, is probably scarred and wounded. Jesus, fully man, yes fully God, but fully man is in a place of, of woundedness And his response is not to surround himself with the disciples. His response is not to surround himself with ministry. His his response is not to surround himself with things to do or people to see. His response is not to surround himself with the comforts of life. His response is to get alone in the secret place with the Father. With the one who he can commune with. He goes and he gets alone by himself He goes to a mountain. He climbs a mountain so he can pray by himself. Luke 6, verse 12. In these days, he went out to a mountain to pray. And all night, he continued in prayer to God. He continued in prayer all night to God by himself. Mark 1, verse 35. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed. And went out to a desolate place where he prayed. One scripture says, I don't have it. But one scripture says that he went out early to pray as it was his custom. It was his custom to go out early and pray. It was his, it was, it was a a custom. It was a regular custom. Custom for Jesus to get up and to go away from the crowds, to go away from the noise, to get away from life and to get aside with his Father and to be alone with the Father one on one. Jesus, the God man, Christ himself, thought it was important enough to get alone and to be with the Father one on one. If Jesus had to get alone with the Father, How much more should we have to get alone with the Father? Listen, I love jamming in the car on the way to work. I love cranking up the tunes with Sawyer when I'm taking him to school. When me and Saul are on the way to school, we got the music cranked up. We got Saul's favorite songs on. He's jamming in the back, screaming at the top of his lungs. I'm jamming in the front seat. Jesus comes in the car and we're rocking. Holy Spirit's there. We're having a blast. I love it. When I'm headed to work on my own and it's early in the mornings and there's nobody on the road, I'm 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 hanging out with Jesus. I'm talking to the Lord. I'm jamming worship songs. I love it. I think that's awesome. But there's something about getting alone. There's something about going into a room and shutting the door. There's something about sitting down in the presence of the Lord. There's something about taking time to sit down in his presence and to be quiet for a few minutes and to say, Jesus, what do you want to say today? What do you want to say to me today? What do you have to say to my heart today? I've got a lot on my mind, Lord, but what do you have on your mind? What are you trying to say to me today? What do you have to say over me today? Yeah, things are rough at work right now, or finances are going crazy, or the kids are going nuts, or parents are losing their minds, or this or that, or whatever is going wild. But Jesus, what do you want to say to me today? Because I've come to get alone with you. I've come to get alone with you. Because this book, this book tells me that he has come to save a people Out of sin and to turn them from sinners to servants and from servants to sons and from sons to brides the back of this book says the spirit and the bride say come the spirit and the bride say come he wants a bride Hosea says that I will betroth you to myself forever I will betroth you to myself forever. He had the prophet go and marry a prostitute to make a point. And then he allowed the prostitute to run off. And then he told the prophet, go and get your prostitute wife and bring her back. Because that's how much I love my people. That's how much I love my people. And he has that kind of endearing love for us. And he wants to enter into that kind of covenant relationship with us. And he is longing for us to come into a relationship where we will enter into that secret place where we will sit down and be with him and spend time with him. And the lie of the enemy is if you don't have two hours to sit down with him, don't even bother. The lie of the devil is if you don't have two hours to come in and to fast in sackcloth and ashes and to woe is me and to rip your shirt and to say, oh, I'm an unclean man, then don't even bother. That's the lie of the devil. Can I tell you that he's still the Jesus who takes five loaves and a couple of fish and breaks them and multiplies them. He still takes whatever you bring and multiplies it. He still takes whatever you bring and multiplies it. If you've got five minutes to come and sit in his presence, he'll take it. If you've got 30 minutes to come and sit in his presence, he'll take that too. If you want to give him the two hours, he'll take that. But if you've only got the five minutes, he'll take it. He'll take it. But he's looking for a people that will say, Jesus, I want to get alone with you. And that's what the secret place is. The secret place is a place where we are alone with him. Alone with him. We have created theology. I say we as in the church globally. When I say we, I mean Big C Church. Is that backwards? I don't know. Whichever one. Big C Church. Big C Church. Global Church has created theology that says, The secret place is this mystic, magical, supernatural thing that you like can't grasp. And it's 10 realms of 12 worlds of these different things that you can't get into. Let me tell you what the secret place is. The secret place is Jesus. It's Jesus and his presence. It's getting alone with the creator. And that's what he desires. He desires us to be alone with Him, to sit with Him, to worship Him. The word for prayer in the New Testament, the word there's there's like there's like ten words used in the New Testament for prayer, and the one that's used most often is is prosuhamai. Prosuhamai. That word is used most often both in the in the New Testament. And it's used most often in the Gospels. And it's used most often when talking about Jesus. In fact, all three of the scriptures I read, Matthew, Luke, and Mark, Matthew 14, Luke 6, Mark 135, all three of those verses, they all use prosuhamai. That word, it is the only Greek word for prayer that is translated with the definition to worship. The word for prayer that was used most often in the New Testament, most often in the Gospels, and most often to describe the life of Jesus is the only word that has a translation for worship. Prayer with Jesus, sitting with Jesus, being with Jesus, shouldn't just be a list of demands. It shouldn't just be a list of needs. It shouldn't just be a list of wants. But we should come into his presence with an attitude of worship and adoration. We shouldn't just come into his presence with an attitude of, here are all the things, God, that you have not yet done. But we should set our hearts on what he has accomplished. Because the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Psalm 77 says that, that we, we should meditate on the good works of the Lord. We should meditate on what he has done and we should think on all of his glorious deeds because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy and true, true, excuse me, <clears throat> true, true secret place prayer begins with worship. It begins with true worship of Jesus. And yes, in that place of encounter with the King and with our Father and with the Holy Spirit, we of course bring our needs to Him. Jesus said in Matthew 7, which is a part of the Sermon on the Mount, one chapter after Matthew 6, Matthew 7, 7. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks, receive. For everyone who seeks, find. For everyone who knocks, it is opened unto him. He gave that instruction in Matthew 7. We, of course, bring our needs to him. But we cannot forget to worship him for who he is. We cannot forget to worship him for who he is. Needs never Needs never disappoint God. It disappoints God when we stop at our needs and fail to worship him for who he is. We've got to move past our needs. We've got to lay our needs down and move past our needs into the worship for who he is into glorifying for who he is. Yes, we need you to move in our finances, Lord. Yes, we need you to heal this sickness, God. But now we declare and we worship you because you are Jehovah Rapha, the healer. You are Jehovah Jireh, the provider. And true secret place worship, true secret place communion is worshiping him for who he is, is adoring him for who he is. I I I just I I I think he's calling us into this secret place because it's in this secret place that he gives us his secrets. He gives us his secrets. Remember Jesus said Remember Jesus said to his apostles, his disciples. I I think they were apostles at the time. I I believe he had already called them the apostles. He said, "I no longer call you servants. I call you friends." because a servant doesn't know what his master is going to do i call you friends because i'm giving you information about what i'm going to do i'm telling you about what i'm going to do how did they know about what he was going to do they spent intimate time communing with him when did the disciples spend intimate time communing with him away from the crowd Time and time and time again in the Gospels, Jesus would teach the crowd. He would withdraw with the disciples, the apostles. He would teach the crowd in parables. Some of the people would get it. Some of the people, right over their head, they wouldn't get it. Some of the people would totally miss it. Some of the people would get a piece of it. They'd get a part of it, a piece of a revelation. Other people totally miss it, totally whiff on it. Then he would withdraw with the disciples. And in the withdrawing, he would intimately teach them, Lord, what were you saying in the parable of the sower? What were you saying in the parable of the tenants? What were you saying? What did you mean when you talked about the different soil? What was the rocky soil, Lord? Explain it to us. And in the withdrawn, intimate moments, the Lord would say, Did you not understand? And they would say. No Lord help us. We didn't get it. And Jesus' response was never. I can't explain it to you. But in the intimate moments. Feel the Lord. Feel the Lord. In the intimate moments. Jesus' response was always. Come here. Let me show you. Come here. Here's what I meant. Here's what I meant. It was never in the crowd that Jesus said, Let me show you what I meant. It was in the intimate moments, it was in the secret place, it was in the quiet, in the corners. It was on the mountaintop with James and John and Peter that Jesus revealed himself in his glory. It wasn't even with the 12. It wasn't even with Andrew that Jesus revealed himself in his full glory. He was transfigured before Peter and James and John. Those who would draw away and get alone with him. Those who would get privately with him. He's calling his people to get alone with him. Because in the aloneness, in the withdrawalness, in the quietness, he begins to show himself to us. And he shows himself to us in a way that we have never seen him before. And when he shows himself to us, it will change us. It will change us for forever. But he doesn't change us just so we can be smarter. He doesn't change us just so we can be cool. He doesn't change us just so we can be different. He changes us so that through us, he can change the people around us. He wants to change us, church, so that he can change the people around us. Because he's got a city to reach. How many times has he prophesied over the house that it's got to go outside the walls? How many times has he prophesied that the move in the house has to go outside of the house? He wants to change us. I thank God for Sundays and Wednesdays. And the days that we have revivals and that we get to gather corporately. I thank God because it's powerful and I love you all and it's awesome. But I wouldn't trade the moments when I'm alone with him for anything. I wouldn't trade a hundred Sundays with you all for one day, one moment alone with him. Because alone with him, I learn more. I learn more alone with him than I ever could corporately. Because it's alone with him that he teaches me and disciples me privately. We cannot neglect the corporate gathering. But we also cannot neglect the secret place. Withdrawing with him. So I hope this challenges you. I hope it, I hope it wrecks you. Because it wrecks me. That he would call us to withdraw with him that he wants to withdraw with me privately so that he can teach me and love on me and that he cares enough about me to hear what's on my heart and that he wants to share what's on his heart. So Father, I bless this people. Jesus, I pray that you would draw them to you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would shed abroad the love of Christ in their hearts, that they might know the height and the depth and the width of, of the love of jesus and that they would be drawn into the secret place i speak and tear down the lie of the enemy that says that's not enough to give him and i pray that they would know that whatever time that they can give you in the secret place is what you will take whether it's five minutes or five hours, or anywhere in between, Lord, you'll take the secret place time that they want to give you, and Jesus, I pray that you would break it, and that you would multiply it, and that you would cause it to be effective and fruitful, and that you would bless it, Lord, and we thank you for it. We love you, and I bless you guys, and I can't wait to see you again. Love you guys. Thank you for listening today to The Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.